0: welcome to episode 42 of the Creative Writers Toolbelt. Now, in recent weeks, a few of you have been asking if there's any way of supporting the podcast financially. Well, the Creative Writers Toolbelt does cost me some money to run and I may set up some kind of sponsorship or support mechanism in 2016. But this year, 2015, I am only going to ask you for money in this episode. And it's not actually going to be to support the podcast at all. It's going to be for something else. So if you are listening to this episode before the 23rd of August, 2015, and you regularly enjoy the creative writers tool belt and you want to help me out i'd like to ask you to give some support to a project that my son is involved in he and some of his college drama buddies are putting on an open air shakespeare festival this summer in canterbury in kent it's the first time they've done anything like this it's the first time there's even been a shakespeare festival in canterbury it's a completely crazy idea but they're doing it so if you happen to live in that area of kent and you fancy going to see some open-air Shakespeare, please do consider buying a ticket. They're performing Romeo and Juliet and A Midsummer Night's Dream in the grounds of the University of Kent in Canterbury. They're going to be wonderful productions, I'm sure you'd have a great time. If you're interested in getting tickets, their website for that is www.canterburyshakespeare.co.uk That's www.canterburyshakespeare.co.uk Of course, if you don't live anywhere near Canterbury in Kent, and let's face it, most of you don't, you can still help if you'd like to by chipping in a couple of pounds or euros or dollars or whatever your currency is. And you can do that through their Kickstarter project that they have going. And if you've never heard of Kickstarter before, it's a web community where you can advertise your project and invite people to sponsor it. It'll take just a minute to join and give. And if it's something that you feel able to do, just go to www.kickstarter.com and search for Canterbury Shakespeare festival and throw something into their tin. I'd really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Okay, so let's get to this episode's topic, which is how to get the best out of the crisis stage of your story. And in recent episodes, we've been looking at the six stage story process. And this episode is about the fourth of those six stages, the crisis. And if you're new to the podcast or you're not familiar with the six-stage story process, you can go back and start with episode 36 and work forwards for a comprehensive review of what each stage is about, but I'll also give you the three-minute summary right here so let's get to that. The Six Stage Story process is a model of how stories work and in describing the model I try to focus on the practical benefits that come from applying that model to your work. I want to recognise my sources here as well. I'm drawing on the work of the Greek philosopher and scientist Aristotle, the German playwright Gustav Freytag and also the screenwriter and tutor Robert McKee. So here are the stages in the Six Stage Story process and the ways that you can apply them to your writing. Stage one. This first stage sets the context for your story. In this stage you need to do three things. First, capture your reader. That means grabbing their interest and making them care about the characters. Second, set the scene. You have to present a setting that the reader can feel immersed in. And thirdly, in this first stage, you have to prepare for the next stage, which is the inciting incident. And the inciting incident is the event that really gets the story going. And again, you're trying to do three things at this point. First, you start to address the need for change and action. So you've set out your stall in that first stage. You've presented something, but it should feel as if something has to change and it's the inciting incidents that that is the catalyst for that change second thing transform the story and really draw your reader in so step it up a gear broaden things out change things around finally launch the reader onto the next stage of your story and that's the momentum stage and this is likely to be the longest stage of the story it takes you all the way through to the crisis and in this third stage you want to drive up the energy and the momentum of your story you want to use consistent and distinctive voice as you develop your characters and your theme and your setting and you want to pull everything towards the crisis and the climax which are stages four and five respectively of the process so, stage four then is the crisis, and this is what we're gonna be exploring in this episode. And the crisis can be a fleeting moment in the story, but its presence is vital. It signals to the reader that the climax of the whole story is at hand. All of the decisions and the actions that have occurred are now going to come together, and it's a real opportunity to present new aspects of your characters. It's their true metal as they face the climax of the story. It's the clash of opposing forces. It's the clash of two opposing values, or two opposing desires in the story, and the outcome of this clash has to come at this stage and the result can be resounding and clear or more subtle and relative depending on the kind of story you're telling. And that leads us on finally to stage six which is the resolution which is where we see the consequences of the climax and then the close of the story. Again three things can happen, first we can tie up any subplots that are still running, secondly we can show the wider implications of the result of the climax, what are the consequences of what's just happened and finally we can let the audience catch their breath and come down. From the tension and drama and suspense of the climax so that is a summary of the six stage story process and in this episode we're going to look at stage four the crisis and we're going to ask two questions first what is the crisis what what do we mean by that what is this particular stage in the story process and how does that work and second how can we as writers exploit this stage of the process to best effect So let's start with the first of those questions. What do I mean by crisis? Well the word crisis here has its roots in the Greek language. There it refers to making a decision and that's a good way to think of this stage of the story. Characters have been making choices and taking actions and it brings them to this decisive moment and this stage is marked by a kind of calmness which is like the calm before the storm. For example in the evening before a battle. It's this very calmness which will often help to raise the tension and the crisis is like a turning point in the story. Perhaps it's the main turning point in the story. And that's because up until now, your characters should have had free will and agency. They should be seen to be making decisions, thinking through actions and consequences, deciding what to do. But the crisis is the moment when the climax becomes inevitable. And there's a kind of paradox here, and it was a paradox that was first identified by Aristotle 2,300 years ago, and it's this. In a good story, the characters will seem to have free will. They seem to have chosen a path through the story which is one of many paths that have led them to this point. And the best characters will look at, as if they have agency. They seem to have made decisions to get to where they've got to. But although they seem to have made those decisions, it should also seem inevitable to the reader that they should come to this point. So by way of example, think about all the choices that Frodo has to make in The Lord of the Rings, all the way through, and yet we know that at the end of the book, he's gonna have to confront Gollum. He's gonna have to confront his relationship with the ring. Another example, think about Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty we know that for all the choices they make they must meet from the Star Wars franchise Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader must surely confront each other at some point point. and perhaps the feistiest clash of them all much more fierce and much more emotional than any of these other ones Elizabeth Bennett versus Lady Catherine de Burr, they have to come together in some kind of conflict at some point so that was the first question what is the crisis the crisis is that point in the story when all of these decisions come together And my second question is this then, how can we as writers exploit this stage of the story to best effect? Well, here are some ideas. First of all, let's think about characters. The crisis is a great moment to show your characters how do they react under pressure. This point in the story is the ultimate pressure because this is the point where all of their choices are taken away, all of the get out clauses disappear, they have to face the climax. And we want to see what they look like when that happens. And the window is open for just a moment for you as the writer to present those things. So J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings holds many examples of this. It is the reality of the climax that makes the character. Pippin finds new courage as he faces his foes at the Battle of Minas Tirith. King Theoden finds courage as he discovers his true self before the Battle of Rohan. Even Sam Gamgee, humble gardener, finds it in himself to have the character to go on with Frodo. Let's look at just a short passage from The Return of the King that shows us this. At last, weary and feeling finally defeated, he sat on a step below the level of the passage floor and bowed his head into his hands. It was quiet, horribly quiet. The torch that was already burning low when he had arrived sputtered and went out, and he felt the darkness cover him like a tide. And then, softly, to his own surprise, moved by what thought in his heart he could not tell, Sam began to sing. His voice sounded thin and quavering in the dark cold tower, the voice of a forlorn and weary hobbit that no listening orc could possibly mistake for the clear song of an elven lord. He murmured old childish tunes out of the shire and snatches of Mr Bilbo's rhymes that came into his mind like fleeting glimpses of the country of his home, and then suddenly new strength rose in him and his voice rang out, while the words of his own came unbidden to fit the simple tune. In that quietness, we see Sam Gamgee's character. We also actually see a glimpse of the setting and the richness of the theme and the tone of the work. And we'll come back to this example later on. So you can also find not only the strength in a character, but also their weakness. That a character might face a test and fail. Again from Lord of the Rings, the steward of Gondor, Denethor, falls into despair as the battle for his city commences. Before the orcs attack the Fellowship of the Ring, Boromir is tested and he fails. And we see another example of this in the film version of the Harry Potter series, where when he is faced with the final decisive battle, Lucius Malfoy quits the field, quits Voldemort's army, and runs away. Again, it's the moment before the climax. It's that testing moment when we're looking at characters and seeing what their metal is like. And Lucius Malfoy has a streak of cowardness, which is revealed at that moment. And it's very interesting to compare that with the courage which Neville Longbottom shows at almost the same moment in the book. Here is a quote from that final book. Someone had broken free of the crowd, charged at Voldemort. Harry saw the figure hit the ground, disarmed, Voldemort throwing the challenger's wand aside and laughing. And who is this, he said in his soft snake's hiss. Who has volunteered to demonstrate what happens to those who continue to fight when the battle is lost? Bellatrix gave a delighted laugh. It is Neville Longbottom, my lord, the boy who has been giving the carrow so much trouble, the son of the auras, remember? Ah, yes, I remember said Voldemort, looking down at Neville, who was struggling back to his feet, unarmed and unprotected, standing in the no man's land between the survivors and the death eaters. But you are a pureblood, aren't you, my brave boy?" Voldemort asked Neville, who stood facing him, his empty hands curled in fists. So what if I am? said Neville loudly. You show spirit and bravery, and you come from noble stock. You will make a very valuable Death Eater. We need your kind, Neville Longbottom. I'll join you when hell freezes over, said Neville. Dumbledore's army, he shouted, and there was an answering cheer from the crowd, whom Voldemort's silencing charms seemed unable to hold. That is the crisis, it's the moment before the big battle commences and we see who these characters really are and you do have this little window of opportunity when you can reveal your characters and you've got your reader's attention, you can do it at that moment. And The Crisis is not just good for revealing a single character, you can also use the moment to develop or destroy the relationships between characters. You can bring lovers together, friends can be reconciled, or once loyal comrades can be forced into betrayal. And it's also a chance for characters to find new depths of purpose and vision, maybe through a vision that's being cast by one leader, perhaps your protagonist. The Crisis is a great moment for a motivational comic, and as long as it's authentic it will work. So, for example, if we go back 400 years to Shakespeare, we see this in his play, Henry V, when King Henry rouses them with his St. Crispin's Day speech before the Battle of Agincourt. I'm going to just read you just a few words from Act 4, Scene 3. This is King Henry's speech. And Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by, from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for he today that sheds blood with me shall be my brother. There are so many opportunities during the crisis to show relationships, to show the true potential of characters, to show who they really are, their real strengths, their real weaknesses so that's the first area to work with the second relates to setting and mood the crisis is usually a kind of moment of calm so play on that theme make the calmness the counterpoint to the coming storm and remember to show rather than tell don't just tell us that your characters are sitting around looking into the flames let's see their eyes in the firelight let's hear the crackle of the sticks in the flame let's smell the smoke what are the sights and the sounds and the smells what is the taste of the food like that they're eating before the battle Now hopefully you've already been working on setting the mood in your story. Now is your chance to turn that up a notch, to use the relative quiet of this moment in the story to burnish the setting and enrich the mood. If we go back to that passage that I read from The Return of the King, Tolkien weaves together not only some aspect of Sam's character, but also the setting and the theme and the mood. So again, I'm just going to read a few lines from that and we're just going to explore that for a moment. He's talking about Sam, this is what he said, His voice sounded thin and quavering in the cold dark tower, the voice of a forlorn and weary hobbit that no listening orc could possibly mistake for the clear song of an elven lord. He murmured old childish tunes out of the shire and snatches of Mr Bilbo's rhymes that came into his mind like fleeting glimpses of the country of his home. And then suddenly new strength rose in him and his voice rang out while words of his own came unbidden to fit the simple tune. Do you see there how Tolkien is not only using aspects of Sam Gamge's character, but he's also just reminding us of the setting and the context of the Shire, the tunes and Bilbo, those fleeting glimpses of the country of his home were the words he used. And contained in that is just a sense of the Shire and Hobbiton. Third thing, the crisis can also be a good time to release a shocking secret, to deliver perhaps one cruel blow or generate a glimmer of hope. Don't deliver the first piece of your puzzle in the story at this point but you can certainly deliver a big one in what has been a series of pieces in the puzzle. You can serve up one big revelation, you can slip a dagger into one of the characters with a bitter disappointment, a fall from grace or perhaps you can give a glimmer of hope where there has been none. And a good example of how character relationships can break down or be put under pressure comes from the original Star Wars movie, Episode 4, A New Hope. If you know that movie, you'll know that just before the climax, in the crisis phase of that story, before the rebels attack the Death Star, Han Solo, who has been Building up some kind of romantic relationship with Princess Leia. He abandons the rebels. He takes his money and he goes. And it's a cruel blow, especially for Princess Leia. George Lucas cleverly uses the crisis moment to deliver that disappointment. Fourth point I want to make, and finally, the crisis must, of course, lead to the climax of the story. And there has to be a resolution. And that is going to be the subject of our next episode. For now, I'll just leave you with a couple of questions. Think about your own story that you're working on at the moment. What's happening just before the climax in your story? What's happening to your characters in that moment? How are you exploiting that moment to show your reader dimensions of your characters? What do we find out about a character in your story when they're faced with the pressure of this defining moment? And what does the crisis reveal about the setting? Have you been able to enrich and enhance the setting and theme of your story? Could you use the moment of crisis to act as a contrast to the climax? How are you able to raise the tension in that moment? So I hope all that is helpful for you. In this episode I have quoted from The Lord of the Rings The Return of the King by J.R.R. Tolkien published by HarperCollins, the Harry Potter series by J.K. Rowling published by Bloomsbury and Henry V by William Shakespeare which is in the public domain. And I've also referred to Robert McKee and his book Story and the first episode of the Star Wars series of films Star Wars Episode 4 A New Hope. So that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this is the one point in the year where I'm actually going to ask for some financial support from you. If you've got a couple of free minutes and you want to support the Creative Writers Tool Belt, please consider doing that by supporting the Canterbury Shakespeare Festival. If you live near there and you like Shakespeare, please do come along. You can get tickets at www.canterburyshakespeare.co.uk or consider giving them a little bit of support at their Kickstarter project, www.kickstarter.com and search for Canterbury Shakespeare Project and thank you. I'll be back with episode 43, talking about stage 5 of the six-stage story process, The Climax, in a couple of weeks' time. Until then, thank you for listening and goodbye.